Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On 9-11, our nation made a commitment to never forget. Since then, it's been the Tunnel to Towers Foundation honoring those words with action. So many people gave their lives while saving others on 9-11. Tunnel to Towers carries forward that legacy of courage and heroism by honoring our country's military and first responder heroes, people who are willing to die for you and me. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh-uh, uh-uh, look, 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 hold up, hold up. We have been arguing about the wrong houses all of these years. See, y'all have had me arguing about Chateau Charest in that unfinished basement. Y'all have had me arguing about more manor and those uh, lack of baseboards in that house. The real house we should have been fighting over all this time was Chateau Benet. Now, look, I didn't know Chateau Benet even existed until I started watching The Bachelorette this season. I'm enjoying this ride. You want to hear about it? Let's go. What is up, you guys? This is Kendrick Tucker, of course, the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture. And I'm here with a new episode of Me and You, The Housewives and Marvel 2. And today we're going to talk about, you know, usually it's all things Potomac because those are the only housewives airing right now that we care about. So we're uh, going to talk about them. But as you know, if you listened last week, we've added the Bachelorette into our repertoire. Our repertoire. You see my, my vocabulary. I'm trying to expand it a bit into our repertoire. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Well, a lot of bit because both of these episodes that we're talking about today gave a lot. So this this could be a fun episode. 
I genuinely didn't know if I was going to stick with The Bachelorette, but I actually found myself looking forward to it this entire week. The first episode gave me enough and all of the like surrounding uh, drama with the show because, you know, Bachelor, Net, Bachelor Nation has been going in on Claire and Chad. They, they've been looking uh, <laughs> at Miss TJ Maxx prom dress and they've been, you know, finding old prom pictures. She told that man she didn't go to prom. They've been finding old pictures and stuff. I don't know what, listen, I didn't know it was that serious, but I understand because, you know, we all have our own uh, things that we're serious about and they've been going in on Claire Claire, I'm a, I'm gonna be on your side, okay? I'm, I'm gonna help you. I know you can piss these people the hell off, but I'm actually gonna give you your props, and I'm gonna start off this episode by giving you your props. Yeah, I don't have anything, uh, you know, I don't have anything to tell y'all. You know, I usually I have about ten minutes of stuff telling y'all what's going on, what I've been watching, and all this kind of stuff. You know, I watch everything. Let's just jump into it because I already got a million days worth of notes on this stuff anyway. Let me start off by saying, Claire. I I see you, you know, I didn't know how you were going to be able to hold my attention, but I'm about to make a statement and it's going to sound so random. But if you watch reality TV the way I do, it's going to make sense. Claire kind of puts me in the mind of Giselle Bryant and Kenya Moore. Now I know that sounds crazy as hell to some of y'all. You probably wondering like, okay, what did what, I, I don't see it? What do they have in common? I'm saying these three women know how to make reality TV. Now, I don't, you know, they they may not act the same on camera. Well, Giselle and Kenya kind of act a little bit more similar than Claire does. But, you know, they're friends in real life. So, you know, I, I would expect nothing less. But, that Claire, I, I got to give it to you. You know how to make reality TV. You can tell that she's not a stranger to it at the very least. But even, you know, some people that have done reality TV for a while, they still never really get the hang of what the viewer wants to see. And Claire really has that down pack. We're going to talk about it, obviously, in depth more. But I'm referring to really that scene where, uh, you know, she's talking to Bennett and there, you know, she can't focus because of the way the guys took too long to talk to her. Man, oh man, she knows that like she stopped that whole thing and she went back out there and she made a moment. And not only that, she got what she really wanted. She left with a man. So <laughs> Claire, I'm not mad at you. Okay. We'll get into that later though. But let me tell you why she kind of puts me in the mind of Kenya Moore and Giselle. They are two of the best on Bravo. And keep in mind, Giselle has had a fairly short reality TV career. This is only her, what, second Marvel movie. I'm, not, ooh, I'm sorry, I got Thor playing in the background, so I'm just like all over the place right now. I'm talking about this that later. Damn, uh, her, her second Marvel movie. No, this is like Giselle's fifth season on Bravo, but she she knows how to make reality TV, and you know, obviously, Kenya Moore does. Kenya Moore looks and lives for a moment. So there are a couple of scenes that come in mind when I think about this comparison. So think back to when Candace earlier this season in the Red Housewives of Potomac, she gets that text message from 
one of her friends, you know, she's her home girl, was at the bar, and Michael was out there telling people he had a wife and a boyfriend, and uh, he was ready to do some things, do some things that night. And Ashley got the, t- you know, uh, Candace got the text. She got sick in the stomach. She held her stomach like she had the, uh, the bubble guts, and she had to go boo-boo. And then she walked and told Giselle all about it. And when she got there, Giselle is so good at what she does. She sat the girl down. And she said, okay. Read it to me verbatim. So they had to get this whole text message exchange captured on camera. I mean, perfect. You did it absolutely right. And Giselle knows that she might not always be your favorite because she's not the picture-perfect woman, but she knows she's going to be the one that you love to hate. You're always going to be the one that's making a meme about her, uh, uh, attacking her online or whatever because you see the value in her on that cast. That's just one of many scenes. But even think back to season four, Candace's dinner party, we know with the infamous uh, butter knife, with her and Ashley arguing, that whole thing jumped off because of Giselle and Robin. Both of them are really good at what they do. Giselle said, uh, well, you know, it's kind of been brought to my attention and, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let Robin tell you about it since she was there. She put it off on Robin. Robin had already kept up some shit earlier in the night and so Robin was like, okay, well, let me just tell you, he said I would suck his sausage and all like that and, you know, they, that's the, like, ideal reality tv character somebody that doesn't mind keeping up shit in front of the camera and doesn't get too nervous now that actually kind of blends itself perfectly into that next moment i want to talk about when kenya moore boy what season was that season seven of the real housewives of atlanta when uh you know to keep in mind this is the season where claudia is a full-time housewife you know demetria was supposed to be but she snatched that piece from her ass and uh, Portia was a friend of the show that season, but it ended up being one of her best seasons. And so they were at that dinner party. All of them were there. I think all eight of them. So the main cast and then Portia and Demetria, they were all there. And Cynthia, at some point earlier in the episode, decides that she's going to be the one to tell Phaedra about this rumor about Mr. Chocolate. Now, y'all know I'm messy as hell. I, I didn't even mean to talk about Jamal Bryant. That's y'all that like to talk about Jamal Bryant. But I have to bring him up for the sake of research. Giselle, don't be mad at me. This these messy-ass people that want to talk about Jamal. I don't even know that man. I ain't, I ain't said nothing. Jamal, you know, Mr. Chocolate. Mr. Chocolate. Mr. Hershey's Bar. Mr. Crunchy Peanut Butter uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. She said that she heard this rumor, but you can tell that Cynthia, I'm talking about Cynthia had a frog in her throat. She was nervous, shaking, trembling. She didn't want to do this. And it was obvious to everybody. Even Nene commented in her interview about how crazy basically Cynthia looked for trying to bring this up on camera when she wasn't even, uh, didn't have enough balls to do it. I know that, <laughs> that, that you know, you, you don't expect someone to say that women have balls, but, you know, didn't have enough balls to bring it up. And basically, Kenya didn't mind at all taking that torch. She grabbed that microphone from Cynthia and she said, what she's saying is, we know that you've been sleeping with a man and his name is Mr. Chocolate, the one that you sleeping with. And then she created a moment because Phaedra almost busted her her ass upside the head with that purse. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Those two women, well, three because I mentioned uh, Robin. These three women know how to make 
reality, television. I put Claire in that category because that scene truly, this is now the second moment where I've thought, okay, she's not a stranger to this. She knows how to make reality TV. And now I know some of y'all are rolling your eyes saying, well, yeah, she's been trying to find love for the past 10 damn years. So I I, mean, I get it. <laughs> but you know, that doesn't necessarily translate over well to people being good on TV. I mean, some we can think of a lot of housewives that have kind of overstayed their welcome because they never really got the hang of being a reality TV star. So we, I'm going to give Claire that Claire knows how to create a moment, find a moment. She's going to give you the best at what she's got. So Claire, kudos to you. Now I haven't even began talking about the damn episode yet. And we've already been talking for what? 10, 20, 50 minutes. Good Lord. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk about this first date. Y'all are going to be so impressed with me because I actually took notes on some of the names. Now, look, some of these dudes, you know damn well, I'm not going to know their names ever. Don't expect to hear their names on a future episode ever in history. I tried my hardest. I'm probably not going to learn their name. But for certain parts of these episodes, I made note of these dudes' actual names. So for those of y'all who actually know everybody, all 30 of the men and you know, you, you, you well equipped kudos to you. I'm, I'm, I'm shouting you out right now. Okay. The guys at the beginning of the episode find out that they're going on a date with Claire, but not all of them, a certain select few, someone reads off the envelope. And so the first date participants are Riley, Jordan, Yosef, Ivan, Bennett, uh, Zach C, Zach J and Dale, Keisha, LaQuisha, Pam, Tanya, Renita. Okay, DMX, my bad. So, first of all, I didn't know there was one Zach in the house, let alone two. I don't know how y'all snuck both of these Zachs in here and y'all having to give all these people initials. This takes me back to, look, all the OG reality TV show fans. This takes me back to, like, the days of Laguna Beach where we had to learn both of the Alexes, Alex M, Alex H, and which one was about to go off to college, which one was best friends with Kristen, and uh, 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 who was dating or, or kissing Talon, and all uh, Listen, I ain't got time for all this shit. Just send both of their asses home because I don't think you're interested in neither one of them anyway. But who am I to judge? Harpo, who these men? I don't know. I'll wait and let Oprah tell me because I don't know who the hell Zach C is or Zach J. All I know is one of the men that had an initial behind his name went home because he kept up that shit on the first episode. And then Yosef got his ass bounced up out that house. Now, do I think Yosef is about to stick around too long? Hell no. Because it looked like he the one that tell that lady, that's why you're the oldest bachelorette. We'll see. Look, I don't know. We'll see. I was going by the, the figure of the body. You know, if you look the shadows, you can kind of see the body, the shape, you know, the color, the fit, the new hairdo, the color. It, it looked like it was Yosef, but we'll see. Claire goes on to admit that she purposely picked uh, Dale. I was about to call that boy Zales. Now, see, that was a read because you already know that she wants to marry him. So I don't know why the hell we're going through the emotions anyway. But... I'm guessing we just find out, uh, you know, we, we really waiting for the black bachelorette to get there anyway. But let's go ahead and go through these motions, you know, and, and, and see what's going on. She says she wants, she picked him. You know, she basically already know who a man is. We just going through the motions. And side note, y'all are messy as hell. I tell y'all that every single week, y'all sit up and y'all slide in my DMs. And about three or four of y'all now, and I think one of the people is in our our messy ass group chat, 
on uh, Instagram. Y'all have now, so many people, when they found out that I was uh, watching The Bachelorette this season, uh, have informed me about Dale's ears. Now, I had never made mention of those pork rind ass ears, but y'all made sure to point them out to me. I finally, when I did my rewatch of the episode, finally noticed, listen, the man is still beautiful. He looks like a beautiful ass pit bull puppy that just got his ears clipped that's all you know we we like pit bulls we like you know little pit boodles y'all listen my reality tv knowledge and references goes a long way i would pay anybody if they can tell me where pit boodles came from do y'all remember when fantasia had her reality show on vh1 and her brother i think his name was teeny or tiny when he was trying to come up with new business ideas and he said he was going to start breeding uh <laughs> he was going to start breeding puppies and he said he was going to put together a pit bull and a poodle and he was going to start making pit boodles listen i don't know why the hell my mind goes to all this random stuff but Dale looks like a cute ass pit boodle with clipped ears so listen y'all go quit looking at that man's ears y'all go let him live his life he only going to be around for about three more episodes anyway that lady finally said damn all of y'all and go get her black man okay she is not listen there's more black men on this show than i've never seen before usually all three all all two of them be gone on the first night she actually keeping them around and she giving them flowers and everything i love this okay we listen we love a uh <laughs> a woman who sees no color the hand of friendship knows no color i yeah i guess that's right the genitals don't either anyway they finally get to this date, and it's some kind of like Romeo and Juliet setup where the guys have to come up one by one and just basically be vulnerable to Claire the entire time. I actually kind of love this moment. It's not too often where men are given the opportunity on TV to really be just like vulnerable, and we got that a lot in this episode often. This entire date, vulnerability after vulnerability and then that one-on-one she had with jason later on in the episode it's all i like to see it all because sometimes when you put this many uh football players and rugby players and uh fake ass reality <laughs> fake ass uh real what is reality agents and uh all this different kind of stuff you don't really come up with the most open of men and so all these guys just putting it all out there how much they want to find love and have kids one day be married they fell in love with claire from seeing her through the tv a child I, I guess the people if lauren and cameron can get married on uh what's the show love is blind i believe anything so hell why not buy into the premise of the bachelorette y'all go ahead y'all love each you you fell in love through the tv i fallen in love with many uh marvel and dc and uh all these different cast members through the tv too and through the movie screen that would do ooh, don't put them on imax i really fall in love then i'll be ready to ooh, you know what i was about to uh i was about to do an evelyn braxton quote then i was gonna say i'd be ready to lay it low and spread it wide but let me go on because this not about me this about these goddamn bachelors and bachelorettes and uh, and Dale, damn it. Now look, y'all know I keep saying I've been buying into the premise of this show and shows like uh, Love is Blind because you really have to. If you're going to watch it, you have to buy into the premise of it. The next part, I couldn't buy into. Now look, they had to get ready for the next part of the date. 
while the losers, these were basically the men who weren't picked for the date. I just called them losers. I don't know if they're going to be date group number two, but right now losers feels more appropriate. While the losers were going for a swim, the winners came back running. They were running, running, running to their rooms to get items for some kind of love language challenge. Now, look, this is a moment right here. I am way too black to be on a show like this. If I'm ever sitting anywhere, I don't care if I'm at the mall, the doctor, at home, a secret <laughs> a secret society meeting, I don't give a damn what it is. If I see that many people running and I don't know what they're running for, I'm running too. Every single one of those people sat their asses by those pool and were just laughing like, oh my God, what they running for? Oh, kick, 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 kick. oh hell no. I'm too black for that. If I see you, let me see. You only got to give me one, two, three, three good people running in a direction and I don't know why they running. I'm running behind them. It's going to be four people running that day. Those three and my ass right behind them. I don't, I, I wouldn't have gave a damn what they were running for. I would have been running with them too. Now see, I guess they felt like they were in a closed environment. This is the bachelorette. It's safe. ABC won't let anything happen to us. A damn net. You will listen. We, we all watch the news. We know what those, uh, what is it? Those country concerts and nightclubs that can turn into a mass shooting real fast. Oh, hell no. Not me. I did. I'm sorry. I couldn't do it for you. <laughs> I'd be, uh, listen, I'm gonna leave it at that. Y'all know, y'all know what America's like. If I see too many people running, I'm running right with them. Damn y'all. I, I'm <laughs> sorry. Sorry to this man in my Kiki Palmer voice. The men get back to Claire and they're giving her, you know, all these little sentimental gifts. One guy gives her a chess piece because, uh, you know, me and my, my dying brother, we play chess all the time. You know, making up shit. You know how people get on TV and suddenly everybody in their life dying or got an illness or, you know, their grandmama was blind but used to cook for them every day. You know, all kind that little dumb shit they do on reality TV. Probably ain't never had a grandmama, but they still just, you know, my grandmother she whatever so what they you know they're giving chess pieces one guy gave a, a baseball from the last time he played a, a professional game of baseball you know what that's a flex that's not a romantic gift he's trying to say look i got a little something in the bank and if your ass uh get tired of dale broke ass <laughs> uh shopping you around in a, a, a 1990 pacer then you can come with me i still got a little bit of baseball money i ain't that broke now see i got enough time to sit up and uh Fool la la with y'all ass on reality TV. I got money now. Don't worry about me. And then comes Dale. Dale, you know, sat up. It was his turn. He gave her some dog perfume. Now, a lot of y'all are like, oh, that's so sweet. She loves her dogs. Everyone knows that. I, I guess so. This shit was only cute because Dale is the one that gave it to her. <laughs> Look, otherwise, I'd be like, no. Nah. I like cologne. Give me some uh, uh, Versace. Give me some YSL. Give me some... Look, I like Dolce and Gabbana Intenso. Give me some of that. Don't give me no damn doggy doo-doo be gone or whatever the hell he gave her. Some damn dog perfume. My damn dogs ain't even here. Don't worry about them dogs. Worry about me. I said, what's your love language? Damn them dogs. What you got for me? Now, see... I. 
even after that, that's how you know she really in love with Dale. Cause even after all that, she find a way to make it cute. She just like that uh them little clipped ears he got in that uh <laughs> that little schnauz and them pretty uh hazel mixed boy eyes. I see Claire, I see right through you, but I'm going to let you live because these people saying that you went to prom when you said you didn't. I'm going I'm to be on your side, Jean, just just for a little bit now. After Dale comes <sighs> Ben with the big feet. So Ben gives her a t-shirt. Now see, this is why legs just um, part. Legs part like Moses parted the, the Red Sea when Ben walks into the room. He gave her that T-shirt, and I immediately thought about Destiny's Child. Now, see, that's, that's show you the kind of person I am. I immediately thought about Destiny's Child. When you're not here, I sleep in your T-shirt. I wish you were here to take off your T-shirt. After we make love, I sleep in your T-shirt. Wake up in the T-shirt. The smell of sin in your cologne. Now, see, that's a good segue, because then she got the sniffing on her asses for the rest of the damn uh, date. Now, she wanted to touch him, and she wanted to squeeze them and she wanted to smell the colognes and all this kind of stuff see uh-uh you was recognizing way too many of them by their scent you have not been with these men that damn long for you to know they scent already see that's why i think y'all been sneaking in claire's room after hours for a little man you know you know a little you know whatever y'all do after hours you know i don't do that kind of stuff i'm a i'm a christian i'm a virgin <laughs> so you know y'all y'all nasty though i know you heathens listen to this y'all know what i'm talking about they sneaking in them room when them cameras go down because, no, I refuse to believe that you can already differentiate between all those male scents. And then, of course, Dale came up to her. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Listen, Claire, you ain't even giving us... We didn't got to think about who you gonna choose no more. It's like, if we didn't believe the rumors already, we damn sure know now. But, hey, I'm still along for the ride. I'm not gonna lie. I'm enjoying it, Claire. Then we get to the after party. With that long ass awkward silence, you know this is after all of the dates. You know the first date has happened, and uh, the guys are you know just sitting around talking, drinking beer. She went and put on, uh, you know, she said she got tired of me talking about her prom dress, so she went and put on her best homecoming outfit. <laughs> you know when you uh, when you're a part of the the senior court, you know you get to pick your date. Or the parents, they walk you out to the middle aisle and then they embarrass your ass because they announced that the girl next to you actually won homecoming queen. And so, you know, she put on that kind of dress and she thought she was looking, you know, just, ooh, come on, you know, thought she was looking good. She came out there and they had that long, awkward ass silence when didn't nobody want to pull her away and talk to her. She had said, well, damn, don't nobody want to take me away and, you know, talk to me. I'm, I'm here. What y'all doing? Finally, somebody jumped up, Bennett. My boy Bennett. Now, see, this is my problem is because you're not going to be treating Bennett any kind of way, okay? Bennett pulled her to the side. He took her, and he talking to her. He trying to ask about her hopes, her dreams, all this kind of stuff. And all the things she's concerned about is that long, awkward silence. Now, see, this is the moment I was talking about. She said, okay, look, Bennett, uh, all that Harvard bullshit you're talking about right now, I don't give a damn. I'm going back out here to talk to these men, I want to figure out why that long, awkward silence. 
if they got other things going on. Because if they too busy, they can do what they can do and I'll go home. I'll take off this, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hang back up this prom dress for later on, my this homecoming dress for later on. I'll wear this, uh, you know, to eviction tomorrow night. Ooh, eviction. See, I'm talking about damn big brother. Look, all this shit run together when you watch a lot of TV. Uh, it's, it's all the same stuff. Now, look, she goes out there, she makes a big fuss. And by the time this fuss is all over, you know, Yosef's trying to speak for the group. They don't want Yosef to speak. And uh, it ends up being, of course, ding, ding, ding. You guessed it. Dale is the one that sweeps her away and takes her off for a private moment. And while I'm sitting there like, oh, look at that. She really just wanted a little attention from Dale. The only thing running through my mind is, where is Bennett? Where did Bennett go? Where is Bennett? Bennett sat his ass back there waiting on you for three hours while you cussed these men out and you your ass didn't even bother going back to get Bennett. You could at least went back and said, look, uh, I'm talking to this other man right now. Just go to my room, make yourself a, you know, a little orange juice and vodka, you know, have a screwdriver, just sit down for a little while and then I'll come talk to you a little later. She couldn't even do that. You know what, Claire? You're classless. That's why your ass is sitting up there getting called out about going to prom all those years ago. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it, Claire. While she goes off to talk to the puppy with the clipped ears, Riley and Yosef get into it real bad. Yosef apologizes for speaking for the group. They like, ah, ah, don't apologize now, you bastard. You don't, <laughs> we don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Go on, on, don't do that no more. And Yosef just looked defeated. He getting, listen, Yosef tired at this point. That man, that man looked like he ready to just cuss everybody the hell out. Riley keep telling him, I'm a man. I don't need you speaking for me. I am man. I'm a, you know, he should have been at that Martin Luther King uh, rally back in the day. I'm a man. Riley did not want him speaking for him. He said, I'm a man. I can speak for my damn self. I know that's right, Riley. And then after all that cussing and uh, uh, puffing and huffing that Riley did, then he put on his romantic boots. He took them big ass arms and he pulled Claire aside. He put on their boys to men and then he took her to the prom that she lied and said she never went to. But now these people on Instagram saying, girl, you went to prom. Quit playing. You went to, if you didn't go to prom, you went to winter formal, homecoming, a uh, 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 spring junipers dance, all that kind of bullshit. Now look, Claire, we gonna let you defend yourself about that. I'm anxious to see the reunion I think The Bachelorette has reunions, right? I feel, feel like I've seen it on TV before. We'll So we'll see. We'll see when that happens. But, you know, she, you, listen, he got that rose is what you need to take from that. That man put it down. He had her losing her breath. She forgot about Dale with the uh, puppy dog clipped ears for a minute. And, uh, I mean, it was <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Look, we love seeing black men get love on TV, okay? I was just glad that, you know, it wasn't... Listen, had I gone up a couple of channels, I would have been watching the news. Ain't no damn telling what I would have been seeing. So, we watching a black man get loved up on, we love to see it. Fast forward, we get to the solo date between Claire and Jason that we alluded to a little earlier. Now, Jason, you know, he was, he's was he been excited all day. They found out he was the one getting that date. He's been prepared, but he's been a little scared because she told him that they well, she wants to have some deep conversations. She wants to go deep. He mentions to her that this is the scariest thing he's ever done in his life. Ever. Look, obviously, you've never listened to a true podcast, true crime podcast while running in the park. Let me tell you something. 
If nothing else in life will make you paranoid, that will make you paranoid. Listening to a true crime podcast while you jogging in the park. Oh, baby, let me tell you, that, that, that's some scary shit. Every time you hear a, a, a dog bark or a twig snap or a child laugh, you know, a child's laughter is supposed to be the most common, assuring sound that you can hear as an adult. Hell no. If you hear anything during that little silence between uh, the podcast and that commercial break, you'll be ready to square up with whatever killer you can find. I don't care if it's uh, 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 Manson or or Bundy or Ed Kemper, anybody. You ready to square the hell up with that killer. It'll take you forever to get around that damn park. And I'd listen. I go jogging on my lunch break every damn day. When I tell you I put on a show called Park Predators, oh, that's the worst mistake I can make every single day. I'm looking around for the killer. It's other people up there wondering why the hell I keep looking back. Look, I'm not going to do nothing to you later. Mind your damn business. I'm up here trying not to get murdered, okay? Leave me the hell alone. The whole time they were out there having this little uh, beautiful one-on-one conversation, the only thing I was thinking about is, where is Bennett? Where did anybody go back and get Bennett out that room? Where is Bennett? I ain't seen Bennett since she got her ass up to go talk to them in that homecoming dress. Where is Bennett? They get to the part where they they wrote letters to their younger selves. Now, look, this is my first time watching The Bachelorette a season all the way through. I've seen the episode here or there, but this is my first time watching it all the way through. So I decided, you know what? I'm all in. I'm going to write a letter to my younger self. So here it is. Be prepared to be amazed. Dear Kendrick, it's true. Destiny's Child is no longer a group. And there are barely any musical groups left, let alone a girl group. But don't worry. Beyonce is king. Try to pay all of your traffic tickets on time so your license doesn't get suspended at any point. Because trying to sneak to work every day in your early 20s is the pits, okay? It's the pits. Having to switch lanes every time uh, you see a cop is exhausting. At one point, you almost put a Blue Lives Matter sticker in your window just to keep them off your ass. Now look, I know you probably don't know what uh, a Blue Life Matter is or Black Lives Matter is, so enjoy that. I'm not going to tell you what it is, just enjoy not knowing what it is right now because after a while... Woo, it's the most stressful shit of your life, I'm telling you. Also, don't let anybody talk you out of wearing your ball fade or your high top fade. Wear it until you can't wear it anymore because guess what? Right now, your ass is bald. Love, Kendrick, 2020. Now see, wasn't that beautiful? If they can write letters to their younger selves, I can too. Now that stuff was a little more, you know, uh, suicidal, but look, I, I like practicality. I had to give my uh, guy <laughs> a little practical advice. I'm not with all that, uh, you know, sentimental. Look, I'm trying to use some practical advice. If I had some lottery numbers to give you, and on the days, I would give you that. I'm, I don't give a damn about uh, uh, none of that other stuff, okay? We then get to the infamous dodgeball game. The infamous strip dodgeball game. Now, see, these are the moments where you wish that The Bachelorette was on HBO 
instead of ABC. See, HBO would have been showing Johnson's swinging from left to right all willy-nilly. Look, hint, hint, euphoria, okay? Think about that locker room scene in episode two at the beginning when they were telling Nate's story. Now, look, I don't, it ain't like I've seen that episode a few hundred times, but you, you know what I mean. Now, look, Claire... <laughs> accidentally read the hell out of Kenny. She said, why is his ass so tan? It's tan because he been naked for a decade on Tumblr already. Everybody done seen that ass. That's why it's so damn tan. It's been out in the sun since uh, 2010. Everybody seen it. It ain't nothing new to that. He ain't new to this. He true to this. Nudity is his forte. So don't look. <laughs> that man said, you can't read me. I've already read the book, okay? Yosef was so mad about these people being naked, but look, Yosef, if I was you, I'd be mad too, okay? he He's mad because he ain't swinging like them other boys. That's why he really mad. He didn't want to get naked because, you know, uh, a few of them guys were a little too anxious to get naked. They were like, look, they all up in here with them clipped ears and shit. I'm trying to, uh, and, and pretty eyes, I'm trying to get seen too. So they was like, look, if the only way I can get seen is to uh, swing a line, swing a line, then let me swing a line, swing a line. Yosef is built like a Ken doll in every aspect, I'm sure. So he's like, look, I'm not trying to do all that. Now I've lost respect for you. Suddenly it's about uh, putting on the image of, you know, a good father to his girls, even though he's going to cuss this lady out in a couple of episodes. But we'll address that when it happens. Then we get to Blake Moines. Plotting like he always does. He been plot. Look, he been playing the end game. He real life could be an Avenger. He's been playing the, the end game for since this show began filming. One of the guys. Ooh, I'll be honest. I I don't know his name. I'll never know his name. But one of the guys was sitting up there talking about his life goals, everything he wants to accomplish. He was gonna be president. Uh, uh, he was gonna be Barack Obama Jr. All this kind of stuff. And then Blake Moines came in there and shook the table, K. Michelle style. And Claire fell for all the damn theatrics. Easy was ready to, to, to whoop the hell out of Blake's ass. He was ready to snatch his ass like Jocelyn snatched Tammy at that Love and Hip Hop reunion that time. Y'all remember that season three, Jocelyn was uh, allegedly hyped up on cocaine. And then she came from around the back. She went flying at Tammy. Tammy barely had time to stood up and got dove on. Look, Easy was ready. They was tired of this shit. Blake keep pulling these theatrics week after week, but it worked for him every time because he keeps getting that role. So, look, I can't be mad at you too much. You winning. I mean, <laughs> these boys stressing about whether they're going to be here another week, but your ass is getting that uh, rose every single time. But see, he walked back in there a little cocky. See, that's what tells me that he might make it to this black bachelorette, but I think she's going to see right through that shit. I don't know. I don't know who she ends up picking. I'm trying not to, you know, spoil the show for myself. So I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 I'm watching. I'm watching, okay? I'm watching. I'm watching with you. The real gag, though, the real gag is the guy Brandon. He was the first one to get up like, no, nah, let, let's go, you know, let's let's break up this scene. He over there, he didn't win the date. He's uh, uh, talking to our girl. No, nah, let's go break this up. Chad Claire bounced his ass out the house so damn fast. That man didn't even know who the hell she was. She said, well, no, I've never seen you on the show before. She said, well, why the hell are you here then? She said, you know what? Can I walk you to the door? If that ain't the most most black woman as a usher at the church ass sentiment I've ever heard. 
she was ready to get him the hell out of there. Look, Claire bouncing their asses out that house. She don't give a damn. We ain't even made it to the ceremony yet, and she not already bounced out a few mother. You know what, Claire? I'm not mad at you. I know I keep saying that I'm mad because uh, you know you you've been lying about prom. I'm actually not mad at you. We'll see though. But <laughs> Blake, we ends up getting rewarded for being Joanne the scammer, and then Claire proceeds to slob down Dale, and that's really. All there was to it. And I know I'm saying really all there was to it, but you've probably been listening to this for seven hours now. So, woo! Let me tell you something. I was not prepared for these episodes to be two hours long each week, but I'm kind of glad because it's, it's a lot of dense content packed into one. So, I'm here for it. The highlight of this episode, though, as I mentioned in my intro, was the fact that we got introduced to Chateau Binet. Now, Chateau Binet was, I don't know who that was. I don't know if it was Easy or, or who it was at the end. But somebody went over and they said, Bennett, I heard you got the best room here. Now, how the hell he get that room? I don't know. I don't know if uh, the La Quinta gave him a, a, a Harvard discount or a, 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 a New England discount or a, a, a Squarehead, <laughs> SpongeBob Squarehead ass discount. I don't know what they gave him, but... Somehow that boy got multiple fireplaces, uh, wine around the clock. He got all kind of facial mask. He got a little uh, infinity pool. He got all kind of stuff in that room. And the rest of them people basically sleeping on a tent in the yard. So, Bennett, whatever you're doing, keep it up. Because I don't know if you're doing it with Clara or somebody on production. But you, know, you, you got that room. They can't be mad at you about that. Go ahead, Bennett. I'm not mad at you. And now. Let's talk about Potomac. You know, I already got to say Potomac. Let's talk about Potomac. Before I get too deep into this Potomac episode, I want to go ahead and ask you, where is Bennett? I always thought was that man in his house at the end of the episode. I don't know if that was shot at the, uh, the, you know, during the first week of filming, if that was shot during the last week. Where is Bennett? They never told me if that man got home safely or nothing. Where is Bennett? Potomac opens up with what ends up being kind of the the climax of the episode. We get to see kind of the behind the scenes of Wendy and Eddie's sip and see. Now, obviously, the sip and see later on kind of becomes the uh, the focal point of the episode. But we get to hear initially how it's mostly Wendy's family who's going to be attending and a lot of their friends. Eddie's family will not be in attendance. And, you know, they kind of, you know, we've been seeing this both on the show and on social media. Now, that's that's the real kind of key key. We've been seeing this on social media a lot. You know, uh, Eddie's family has now come out and said uh, that they broke as hell, not the family, that Wendy and Eddie broke as hell. It's like, well, duh. No, she, the, the woman got four degrees. You think she, uh, you know, paid $13 for a weekend at Votech or something and she got... Like those agree? No, of course the lady in debt. I mean, they, I would expect if they were out of debt, I'd be like, well, damn, y'all balling, balling. Like y'all got more money than uh than Beverly Hills Housewives if y'all just out of debt with all the damn school and y'all got between the two of y'all. I'm not mad at you. Now look, you know, graduate degrees they barely give you any damn help for those. You might be able to get a loan for the whole thing. But promise, I you have to pay them loans back. They ain't trying to give out no uh no lottery scholarships, no uh uh what they call no hope grants or none of that kind of stuff. The church don't give you no damn scholarships. 
I remember in grad school, I went to the, the financial aid office and I asked the lady, why is this bill so damn high? Why is this bill so high? She told me, I'm, I'm asking her, like, well, that, can I get a Pell Grant or something? Get, get me something. Can I get a Pell Grant? That lady politely told me to pay all these nuts, and I left it alone. I, I walked out the bill, and I'm like, look, let me just figure out a way to pay for this shit to get this damn NBA and get the hell up out of here because I'm tired of Indiana. Let me take my ass back down to the South. This lady then told me, pay all these nuts. Get, get, let me get this grant and get my ass on somewhere. So that was the intro. Then we go kind of smoothly into this therapy session with the Darbies. Now, you know, I the way I do my kind of reviews is I don't necessarily talk about it point by point. I kind of like to talk about the bigger thing. And one of the things I've been kind of seeing throughout this whole Ashley and Michael saga is that somehow it always comes back to being her fault, whether he's inadvertently blaming her or rather she's blatantly blaming herself. And it's so sad to see because at this point, I I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe about Ashley's level of, uh, what's it called? Her self-esteem or I don't know what it is, but Ashley, something's got to give. This whole therapy session turned into let's find reasons why Michael is such a damn cheater instead of let's acknowledge that Michael has got to do damn better as a person. So now we learning, uh, it's because he hasn't gotten any intimacy from Ashley, which he alluded to earlier in the season. We learning that, uh, he was abused as a child. His daddy would come home and start drinking. He'd give him love at first, but then he'd be real hard on him. And all of that is what makes him cheat on Ashley. You know what? <laughs> I'm tired of y'all asking. Y'all use therapy for any damn thing. I have been the biggest proponent of black people, especially going to therapy. But anybody, if you have issues, do not be afraid to check on your mental health. Don't be afraid to talk to somebody about it. Go to counseling. But don't take your ass to counseling if you're just looking for a professional excuse to not own up to your bullshit like Michael's doing. That whole therapy session, I rolled my eyes so goddamn hard, you would have thought I was having a seizure. I'm moving right on to, to Robin because you know Robin is my favorite in Potomac. Her, You know, I, I've said it many a times, if you listen to my interviews that I do uh, off of the podcast, on other podcasts, then you know that I am a green-eyed bandit apologist. I love the mess they keep up. I think they're hilarious. I never apologize for that. The highlight of this episode was for me was, you know I love those Dixons. Robin doing that majorette dance at that game. She trying to copy the moves. Listen, I live in Memphis, Tennessee. I understand Robin. Robin was up there. You you know how it be when you know you watching either you at the game or you watch it on TV. The Southern Heritage Classic, JSU versus TSU, and those TSU majorettes come out. And you know they throwing them legs up. They doing the high splits, heel toe. They doing the dance moves, and you be doing it right with that. Yeah, pump. Pump, pump it up, pump, 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 pump it up. You would have thought that uh, Lorianne Gibson was helping Robin ass out with them dance moves. She was boom cacking. She was throwing that leg. She was trying to do, I, Robin, I know that's right. I'm not mad at you. We then get another look at Ray and Karen's marital problems. Now, you know, I've been happy that Karen has finally, 
finally, after five seasons, opening up about anything going on in her life. Because, you know, up until this point, it was lies, lies, and more lies. Grandam, grandness, and uh, d- d- generosity. Hell, I don't know. But, they, we, you know, we finally getting a peek into the marriage. And the thing that stood out to me most during this conversation, the takeaway really was the point where they were talking about Karen's success. And Karen said something to the effect of, you know, thank you. I've been really successful after Ray complimented her. He said, we've been successful in this. She said, oh, we have. And so he, it kind of makes it seem one of two things. I don't know if, you know, we say behind every strong man is a strong woman, but when the couple's married, I would assume it's the same way around if it's a successful marriage. I don't know if that's just not true in this case or if Karen is saying that he hasn't been supportive of her business. That's something that they need to keep going to their radio host for counseling for because they, I think that was the most interesting point in this. It seems like either Karen wants all the credit for her own success or she's trying to insinuate that Ray hasn't really done anything to help her. And if that's the case, then Ray needs to, you know, he needs to own his shit. But if Karen has truly, like Ray says, has changed during this process, then she needs to own hers too. It seems like it's two people who on the surface are saying that they want to own their stuff and they want to do this and that. But I think both of them might be a little too set in their ways to even really acknowledge their downfalls in this marriage but you know i'll never root against a a couple to get married especially the one that that, you know what let me stop because i was about to say something real mean (laughs) let me not y'all uh oh i got as a matter of fact i'm gonna mention a comment later on that my mama said that cracked me the hell up it's mean as hell so don't y'all come trying to uh cancel me or this podcast but we'll talk about that later on okay we then go into this scene with Candace driving to the courthouse to press charges against Monique's ass. Now, look, this scene is impactful for a couple of reasons. It really kind of shows us that not only Karen, but Dorothy, too, have really kind of played a part in this whole issue turn legal thing. Now, the question I really kind of want to pull from this is... Is Candace, ooh, how should I ask this? Is Candace justified in wanting to, you know, we kind of see this twice in the episode. Let me pause for a second because the main thing to pull out of this conversation is it feels like Candace doesn't want to take it there. It feels like if Monique had found herself remorseful earlier then Candace probably wouldn't have taken it there. If if she would have gotten a text or a call, something before she decided to file charges, then it wouldn't have happened. But it seems like that was the crux of that whole, you know, the decision to do so. Not just from Karen, but from Dorothy also. And I think Dorothy and Karen both are playing a bigger part than either one one would admit, but hey. But then we get later on, on that same vein, we get that kind of meeting between her and that Amish man. <laughs> oh, sometimes I crack myself up. She listened. She met with some man she said she went to college with and she always has a kiki with. 
I just thought they were telling us it was some black Amish people up in Potomac or D.C. or Arlington or Great Falls or D.C. or wherever the hell, you know, they're pretending to live this week. But they that conversation what kind of leads me to the bigger question of is Candace justified in prosecuting this? And that's kind of been the thing where people have been arguing about online. I I, I feel like it's totally up to Candace. She's the one that was attacked. She felt threatened. So if she feels like the person that she has to be around all the time is possibly not remorseful and is going to do this again, then legal action makes sense. Now, look, I'm from North Memphis. I'm not necessarily calling the cops. (laughs) You know, I just, you know, I swing back. But I get it. We also... We learned that kind of everyone is talking about Karen and not picking a side. And this really comes up at the dinner because Karen doesn't want to address it, but everyone else wants her to address it because they feel like she's giving Monique a pass. That'll come up a little later, obviously. But before that, we get to see Robin and those boys filling those orders. Now, we see that Robin has a successful hat company now, and it actually shocks me that this was a hole in the market. You know, black women especially, we uh, know the importance of hair and maintaining hair, especially like throughout a workout or something. The fact that she found a niche in the market of both cute hats that women would wear, because you know, not every tomboy just wants like a Dallas Cowboys hat or some kind of sports hat. You know, they might want something cuter and funner like Robin's doing, but also is lined with that satin. That actually really impressed me because, you know, look, if all y'all are saying, you know, what what's the purpose of the satin? You ain't never had a weave before. So, I, I mean, I get it. I get it, but I haven't either. But, you know, I was raised around all black women, so I know about the importance of satin, okay? I look, I'm bald and I still sleep on a satin pillow, okay? Maybe that's just the bougie in me. I don't know. I might think I'm a rich white woman from Beverly Hills, so... We'll we'll talk about that later. But I'm glad to see that this episode prompted people to get on Robin's website and show all the way out. Robin's website after the episode sold completely out. Like, that's crazy. I'm happy for her because I know she's been putting a lot into all those businesses. Go ahead, Robin. I ain't mad at you. Fast forward ahead a little bit. We see Wendy and Eddie going to look at a possible venue for the sipping sea for their beautiful little Cameron. Now, I didn't know what they were going to look for at first. At first, I was like, are y'all looking for Bennett? I'm looking for him too. Where is Bennett? Where is Bennett? Do anybody know where Bennett is? I thought Wendy and Eddie were trying to help us look for Bennett. They weren't looking for Bennett. They were in a damn museum trying to see if the space was big enough so they can have this uh this money-throwing party they're trying to have for Cameron. Look, their party was turned up like hell, but I ain't mad at you. But the thing we get out of this meeting, we don't figure out where Bennett is quite yet. We see that Eddie has a change of heart because of one of the conversations that he has with his son while he's giving him a bath. He asked him about, uh, I think, his facial hair or something, and he asked him, well, does your dad have a beard? And it made Eddie feel bad that their kids don't even really have a relationship with their his parents. And so it prompts him, with Wendy's support, to go ahead and invite them to the sip and see. Now... I could have told you 
and they weren't going to come, but it was good for you to invite them anyway. Now, the thing is, the way that you could listen, you can tell that those people are strange. That man said, hello, mother. <laughs> I know that's right. Look, you know, I'll be, I'll text my mama. Hey, mama. Or, uh, 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 what's up, girl? You know, her real name, you know, something that if you said, hello, mother, either you are, uh, from Beverly Hills and you, uh, from fresh Philadelphia, born and raised something. If you say a mother, but, I don't know. I can tell that by the way he started that off, that one was not coming to that party. Anyway, we then fast forward to them actually arriving at the thing. And Robin is the first one to get to the venue. Look, Robin got tired of y'all ass talking about her. Robin showed up so damn uh, early on time that she was, she was there before the DJ had even set up the music. That man was still looking for an outlet to plug in that uh, raggedy ass beat speaker. He was, <laughs> he, um, the, the, the caterers were trying to uh, get the flames lit to warm up all that jollof and that pasta and all this stuff. Listen, them people still setting up and Robin ass was in the way. They was like, girl, can you move shit in this damn uh, pink ass dress that all these women in war on Bravo? Can you sit your ass over there? And Robin sat down. She waiting a whole hour before the, the guest of honor even showed up. And Giselle ass was somewhere, uh, Fool out line with Jamal, so she didn't give a damn either. She's sitting in there waiting, and finally everybody starts to arrive. But on the way, they find out that Candace has pressed charges against Monique, and Monique is uh being charged with uh <laughs> aggravated assault, uh, attempted murder, all kind of stuff. Monique ass is looking at potentially 35 life. <laughs> I don't know what that lady was really looking at, but I'm trying to make it a little dramatic. This is the dramatic portion of our episode, okay? Uh, Listen, Karen, Karen, you kind of killing me. When Giselle and Robin start talking about those charges, you are, you, you coming across as so holier than now this season. Like, I get it. You don't want, I, I feel like you and Monique are such friends because both of y'all have really painted yourselves in a corner to where y'all can never stoop below. And when you do, people will eat you alive for it. So you feel like you always have to be on the top and better than everyone and the mother hen. And it gets kind of old for me. I like, I don't need you to be mother hen. I need you to be a guest. You know, I need you to be a cast member on this reality show that you're on. You know, a few years ago, you was cussing Robin out, calling her a bitch. You was tired of Giselle. And at, well, you still tired of Giselle last. So, and, you know, you and Ashley was getting into it. You was all in her face, clinkety clink. Don't drop the soap, all this kind of stuff. So Karen, I just need you to drop the act and get a little loose. Uh, go back to Monique's basement out in the cabin. She had y'all in and drink some more damn Hennessy or fireball, whatever it was y'all were drinking. Cause you were fun that day. I want fun, Karen. I know Karen is known for the, the little shade that she throws and y'all are, you know, y'all easily impressed, but I just need her to get back to it. Cause Lord, her having to leave every single scene because she doesn't want anybody to think she's talking about her. Lord, that's getting old. Karen, let me let me get off of Karen. Well, not really. Let me tell y'all what my mama said. My mama, <laughs> I talked to her about it. And when she came over here while I was re-watching one of the episodes, and she goes, ooh, I'm going to show you my favorite one. She kind of looks like a witch. Now, y'all know that lady is wrong. So y'all know exactly what she was talking about, too. I'm not going to say it because y'all going to jump down my throat. 
So let me just move on to how lit that party looked. Look, Wendy, you know how to throw a party. Not only did the food look good as hell, it was a lot of food too. Now, you know some people, they'll try to feed your ass hors d'oeuvres all night. Uh-uh, give me a whole meal. I didn't plan to eat no more tonight. <laughs> I want you to feed me and fill me up. I'm not trying to go and spend no money at Wendy's for a four for four. I'm trying to eat your five for five at this damn uh at this damn museum you got me in. Feed me. I know that's right, Wendy. They had the baby, your motile, motile, eh-eh-oh, dancing and all kind of twerking was going on. Listen, that's the kind of part I want you to invite me to. I can't do all these clubs and shit no more. I didn't hit my thirties. This stuff is it's it's too damn much. Invite me to something like that where I can leave uh <laughs> leave where well, y'all I was about to say leave at eleven o'clock, but hey uh, the wind didn't show up to ten thirty, so shit let me leave at uh midnight. Let me just come and eat my food. That's past my eating window though. I only eat from the hours of two to eight, so you got to eat dinner late as hell, but Wendy, that's all right. At least you gave me a whole lot of options. I'm eat my ass off when I get there. Let me tell you something. Nothing pissed me off on this episode, and maybe the season more than Ashley did at this table. I feel like most of the fans have completely forgotten the Karen and Ashley that we've known since this show started. I don't know if people are just so new to the show now, or they binge watched like the first couple of seasons or something, or they. Ooh, you know, maybe they, uh, they just, I don't know. It feels like y'all don't know Karen and Ashley that well. And so, you know, Ashley had a baby this season and y'all have let her become, uh, Dr. Phil, Mother Oprah, uh, Sister Gail, Iyanla Van Zant. Like, you know, she's the, 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 the Maya Angelou of the group all of a sudden, but it's like, Ashley, you still know how to work a nerve too. Why were you putting in all that input and you didn't see a damn thing that happened in that fight? You jumped that fight off and then went to the bathroom, the boo-boo. Like, what are you jumping in them people's fight for? The, uh, Giselle asked, is the goal for uh, Monique to go to jail? And Candace says uh, that it's up to the law. Basically, let them figure it out. Everything was downhill from there. Ashley says, well, you had your hands in her face and all this kind of stuff. Ashley, you weren't even there. How do you know? Like, you look dumb as hell saying all this stuff. Candace insinuates that she, too, <laughs> is being paid just like the bloggers. Now, look, y'all know there's been a little reputation that Monique has that she pays bloggers. But, I'm, I, listen, I'm going to stay out of that. Y'all do your own research. Candace, you know, Ashley says, I don't need to be paid by anywhere. Anybody, I'm married to a millionaire. Candace says, well, not for long. Listen, that was a read for me because you can't tout being married to a man that's constantly cheating on you with a woman this season, got a pretend boyfriend this season, was waking up the men last season, was squeezing ass the season before that. We, we found some hidden video footage of him squeezing ass the season before that. Uh, doing all this cheating and beating and all kind of stuff, and you bragging about being married to a millionaire. Chad, anybody can be married to a millionaire if they accept anything that the man give them. Let me get off of y'all because I want to bring up the most important point of this damn episode. After such a silly episode that I've been doing, <laughs> I, I hate to kind of leave it on such a, a serious note. It's not really serious. It's just something I want to, something that irked me in this episode. The ending of this, I felt like kind of showed the valuation of black women versus white women in America. 
the Bravo community, if you remember, just a few months ago, was up in arms when Aaron Fipers told Denise Richards, I'll break your fucking hand if you tell me to stop talking one more time. Now, see, a white woman was threatened in that situation and the Bravo community leapt everybody from celebrity fans to uh, regular viewers to people that barely watch the show. Everybody was talking about this comment. Everyone was calling Aaron disgusting, all different kind of stuff. We sat here at this dinner and watched Chris tell Candace to shut up and stop talking. And every single person justified it. And it wasn't nearly as bad as telling her you go break somebody's fucking hand. He told her sternly, shut up and stop talking. Now, look, if y'all hated, <laughs> if y'all hated half of the stuff that went on in America, as much as y'all hated a black woman voicing her opinion, yeah, we would be in such a better place in society. The fact that it bothers people so much that she defended herself against Ashley, who sat there and stupidly said that, recounted the fight that she was nowhere around to witness. Candace defended herself and all of a sudden it's justifiable that she's told to shut up and all this different kind of thing. I, I can't. I don't know. I don't know if we're just a culture of revisionist historians or what's going on, but I'm gonna let y'all have that one. It that just it 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 stood out. It, it shook me the wrong way. I know we all like Chris as a husband. I feel like he's very down to earth, all this kind of stuff. But I don't know that that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. But who I another thing I want to kind of point out before uh, I get the hell out of here is. Monique saying you shouldn't have to coax. Not Monique. Ooh, Monique wasn't in the damn episode. Now, there was a read right there. I don't know how much of a pay loss this woman going to take this season, <laughs> but they edited her ass out of a lot of episodes. Now, we'll, I mean, we'll, ooh, we'll see. I thought they were going to give her the Aviva edit season six when Aviva was just in and out, in and out, up and down, up and down. Sometimes she was in opening credits. Sometimes she wasn't. I love that. That felt like old vintage soap opera. So, I mean, I'm here for it. I hope they, I not saying anything against Monique, but I hope they kind of do that. Cause I love seeing that where like sometimes when she's in episodes, she'd be in opening credits. And then sometimes she's not, she was out of it. I live for that, but we'll see. I don't know. But that is so true. You shouldn't have to coax a grown woman to apologize to another one. And that's what kind of jumped it off at the end where people felt like Karen was basically dick riding. Like, I, Karen, <laughs> you got to figure it out at some point. I know people are saying that she did choose a side, but Robin assessed that situation perfectly. She doesn't realize that she is unconsciously choosing Monique over Candace. And if you claim that you're so close with them, the way that you do, then you need to take a step back and, uh, oh, you got some shit to figure out, Karen. And I got a feeling they're going to be on your ass for the rest of this season. So what do you guys think? Did you find Bennett? Did y'all find, uh, Eddie's parents? It's a look. It, we got a lot of questions we need to answer. Of course, reach out to me as always. Follow me on Instagram at housewives, Marvel podcast. Follow me. That's really all you can follow me. You can subscribe to me on uh, anywhere you can find your podcast platform. 
you can email me at housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. You know, I love to hear from you. I love when y'all slide in my DMs with that messy mess that y'all send me. Y'all have me in stitches all day long. When I stop working and I'm uh, taking a break from my job, I read those DMs and I can't do nothing but just crack up. Y'all are a mess. Reach out to me. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave me a review if you're on Apple uh, Podcasts. And I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Buy four tires and get up to $200 in savings after rebate at Bell Tire's year-end sale. Or get even more in Bell Tire gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Plus, get tires as low as $49 after rebate. Get up to $200 in savings. Or get even more in gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Get up to $200 in savings and choose the lowest tire price, period, at Bell Tire. 100 years of getting folks safely back on the road fast and affordably. See storebelltire.com for details. Restrictions apply. Now open in Elgin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.